good day and welcome to Holding Fast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it gripped firmly to the unshakable rock of Holy Scripture? Well, we are continuing in our journey with the Lord on His trip, His final trip to the cross, to His burial, His death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, this is always an exciting time of the year for me and hopefully for all of God's people because we have great reason to rejoice and look forward with anticipation to what's going to happen to our Lord as he makes this journey. Uh, Luke is particularly concerned to make sure in his gospel that this is something that's emphasized, and so that's why we're taking time to follow the Lord as he stops on his journey from Galilee going down to Jerusalem. And I'm pointing out some important teachings along the way that are a blessing to us when you meditate on it. So I hope you're living in anticipation of Resurrection Day that's coming up just around the corner. And uh, we're going to look at a little bit of that anticipation and the wonderful teaching of our Lord in Luke chapter 13. Uh, actually, the the uh, Luke, the author of this gospel, records some 20 different miracles that Jesus did specifically uh, that Luke is highlighting. He highlights a lot of those that were physical uh, maladies that people had. That makes sense since he was a physician himself. Uh, and yet he always couples that with important teaching that Jesus gave as he stopped along the way. Uh, the miracles that are in the text before us today really are miracles number 16 and 17 uh, in the Gospel of Luke. And this particular miracle I'm going to couple with uh, chapter 14 and verse 1, which are very similar circumstances where Jesus has to deal uh, with something that needs to be taken care of. Uh, and in these, and that is to straighten out somebody's back and to straighten out somebody's teaching. Uh, so if you were to uh, give this today's um, devotional time a theme, it would be freeing something that has been bound so that it may glorify God. Freed to glorify God uh, is how I want to, um, to see it today. When uh, Luke chapter 13 rolls around. We've been traveling with the Lord. And in verse 10, the Bible says this, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite! Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced. 
for all the glorious things that were done by him. So two very similar incidents unfold here in this passage and in the very beginning of the next chapter, chapter 14. Uh, and that is both incidents, both miracles are are come about because our Lord stopped to go to God's house and to be able to worship him on the Sabbath day. Verse one, uh, verse 10 tells you that right off the bat. Uh, by the way, it was always Jesus' habit to be an obedient child of God and to be regularly honoring the day of rest, to be able to worship God uh, and to be able to be there where people were serving the Lord. That's a good template and pattern for everybody. If you're not regularly in a house of God, you need to st stop sinning. If you don't like to be around God's people, you need to question whether or not you're genuinely converted. And I want to challenge you. There are a million excuses that you could make, but I would be remiss if I didn't remind you that it was our Lord's habit that he was in the, the house of God and observing the Sabbath day when it rolled around. It wasn't a matter of debate. It wasn't a matter of discussion. Uh, it wasn't a matter of anything, other, any other factor other than I want to obey what the Father has said. So that's good counsel for us today. Well, our Lord is healing somebody on the Sabbath day, and that's what the setting is of this whole story. And that, of course, creates a controversy. Uh, and because those that were the, in leadership, in spiritual religious leadership in the house of God, were so uh, twisted in terms of their thinking about uh, what... about. Um, about why you are there and what you receive when you get there. So there, here is the controversy, and it needed correction from our Savior, um, not just for his day, but certainly in our own day. This helps us to put things in correct perspective. I don't find many sermon books that even deal with this passage of Scripture. Uh, you, you might uh, never encounter them in a preaching series, but I think it's important for us not to neglect it. Now, what happens here? Uh, this particular circumstance deals with a controversy that at first glance seems to have very little application to us today, and that is the Sabbath controversy. Because of that, sometimes people don't give a lot of consideration to this event. But let's look at it just for another minute or two here. It's become apparent that there is a new theme that Jesus is emphasizing on this trip to, to Jerusalem. In verses 15 and 16, he really does teach the lesson. And I read this. He said he calls those religious leaders hypocrites and says, Don't each one of you on the Sabbath day... Uh, untie his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to give him water? How much more, he says in verse 16, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, uh, for 18 years has been bound by Satan? How much more ought she to be loosed? So there's a theme that's going on here. Jesus is, loose, uh, is loosing something that has been bound bound for a long time. So the lesson is built on that theme in this passage. This woman has been bound for 18 years, um, plus something that we haven't seen is also included in that passage, and that is in the last verse, that all the people that were watching this event unfold were unbound as well. 
because those that were observing what Jesus did in the synagogue that day were bound by the false teaching and the twisted thinking of religious authorities that bound them up from the true joy he, that can be found in, in loving and serving the Lord. So Jesus loses this woman as a ruler of the synagogue would loose his animals. And when he corrects the man's viewpoint, he looses the people. He unbound, uh, unbinds them from false teaching. So the woman was bound physically. Jesus released her. The people were bound spiritually by false teaching. Jesus eliminates that and looses them as well. There's a whole lot that can be said about this today, but let me draw the conclusion this way. In verse 13, the Bible says, And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. In other words, she was bound, she was bowed right over, and she couldn't even lift herself up because of demonic oppression. Uh, and, G, and verse 13 says, And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. You know, uh, it is a praise that she probably uttered at that time, at that day, in that synagogue, in her newly found health, which she probably had never uttered in 18 years. Don't you know that when Jesus released her, when he broke that power of Satan in her life, that that must have been a time of, of incredible rejoicing. Um, when, it's, when the correction has been done by Jesus, even to the rulers who became ashamed at their teaching, all the people, the Bible says in verse 17, they rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Uh, I think probably they were a little bit afraid. You know that they were looking from the outside and they saw this woman experience this marvelous miracle from the hands of the Lord. And part of me wonders if I'd been sitting there that day, if you wouldn't have seen their eyeballs go between the religious rulers, those that were supposed to be their shepherds and teachers, and then they turned to look at the Lord. Uh, even when this woman stood up bolt right, just straight right up, they probably weren't quite sure how to re, how, what, how to react. And then when Jesus corrects those, those rulers, the Bible says in the last verse that all of his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. That's what they did. It must have erupted into great joy and praise and singing. The rulers were shamed, but the people rejoiced because of the things done by him. Uh, they might not have even been sure if Jesus had done something good or bad that day until Jesus corrects their thinking. And so Jesus, when you trust him, his correction, his thinking, his word, when his teaching comes first, then it will free your mind from error and you will rejoice. You'll be freed to glorify God. Hang close with your Bibles. Meditate on its truth. There are a lot of false ideas out there being taught by teachers that need to be corrected. Sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary did and learn from him and you 
will be loosed from the wrong teaching in your own life. God bless you.